After a great start to the year, the markets kicked off another week in the red. Plus, how high could your savings account rate reach this year? Your market moment starts right now. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Welcome to the Market Moment. Uh, today, I'm David Lee. I'm hosting today. I don't normally do this, uh, but uh, I guess... Uh, we'll the... see how it goes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then I've got Eli Freeman here with me. Mm-hmm. Eli, it's good to... I'm looking forward to today's podcast. Happy to with be you. here. Yep. So welcome to the Market Moment today. We're in week two in our new building. So uh, for all those clients out there listening, we'd love for you to drop in and say hi and get a quick tour of the new building. Uh, here in Rogers, we've still got a little bit of construction going on, but we're about 99% complete. Mm-hmm. We, um, we were working today mm-hmm. and they're working on the building next door to us and our lights went out for, what was it? 45 minutes. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, next time for clients, next time you're in here to, to see us, it's possible you may hear some noises going on with construction, uh, next door still happening, but but we're excited to be here, to say the least. And we may have a candlelit meeting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been having some power flickering on and off because of construction next door. But we are very excited, very thankful to be here. And we can't wait for uh, for those of you who are clients to come in and, and see the new building. And if you're not a client, we can't wait for you to come uh, meet us for the first time. Uh, we're also, thanks to the new building, going to soon be introducing a video version of this podcast. Mm-hmm. So Matt Hager, our producer of the show, uh, is uh, busily setting up our new podcast slash video podcast room. Uh, so we'll be introducing that in the near future, and we're looking forward to that. Does that mean we're going to have to do our hair on Monday? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, we are looking forward to that, so we'll be we'll be uh, rolling that out pretty soon. All right, so let's uh, switch gears and let's talk about the market. After all, this is called the mm-hmm. Mach One Market Moment, right? So, not a great start to the markets this week, right, Eli? Mm-hmm. Um, several factors coming into a play, uh, coming into play uh, that uh, helped factor into the drop that we saw last Tuesday. Uh, let's start with interest rates, Eli. You want to? Talk yeah. about that and what we're seeing. Interest rates are something that has been extremely boring to talk about for the last, what, 10 years? Maybe even 15, 15 years. Interest rates have been at basically a near zero. And you know this because you would go to the bank, you'd open up a savings account trying to get some yield from your savings, and they might give you 0.1% on your right. savings, right. maybe 025 if your bank was a mm-hmm. nice bank. And now we're starting to see interest rates all the way from savings accounts to bond yields at 3% plus. Yeah. You, you don't really have to go far down the road to see a bank advertising 3.54, 4, 4.5% That's CDs. Right. And the reason for that is, as many of our clients know, or many of the listeners, 
interest rates are rising because the Federal Reserve is raising them. The one-year yield on a treasury, which a treasury is the safest bond that you can hold because it's backed by the federal government. It, when you think of FDIC insurance, the F stands for federal. So you're, you're owning a treasury or a federally backed instrument is about 4.9% as we speak. Yeah. So a one year at 4.9%, that opens up a world of opportunities right. for people who are sitting on cash or know that they're going to have some expenditures coming up really soon. That's right. And you know, for, for years on this podcast and, and in various appointments that I would sit in on with uh, clients for years, I would recommend to them and advise them to avoid bond, to avoid bonds, right? Mm -hmm. Because we know that as interest rates go up, bond values decline. Mm -hmm. And so we were stuck on that zero, basically the zero floor from pretty much the market crash of 2008 until about a year ago mm -hmm. that when the Fed finally started raising rates. And so we knew eventually rates were going to go up. We just didn't know when or how much. Well, now we're here. And so we've seen, you know, obviously this rapid rise in interest rates over the last year and a corresponding, you know, pretty good drop in bond values over the last year. Mm -hmm. But now, now that that's all happened, you know, bonds are now a, a fairly attractive investment for a portion of your portfolio. Right? Yeah. And it, it can be, act in many different ways. One is just in a traditional portfolio, you could have exposure to the bond market within your portfolio. Or if you know that you have an expense coming up in six months, well, you might be able to go out and buy a six month expiring treasury bond or bill Yeah, and know that you're guaranteed to get 2% for those six months because it's a 4% annual yield. But those are opportunities that we've never had before. It's not hard for us to help clients do that. And I, I hope that our clients are listening to this and, and can take full advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so interest rates, um, obviously that's the fact that they've gone up so much this last year is good. If you're a saver, if you've got cash mm -hmm. to, um, you know, to invest rather than sitting there in the bank earning zero, uh, you can you can earn a you know pretty competitive interest rate on your cash now, mm -hmm. but if you're an investor in the markets, those you know the the rapid increase in interest rates have kind of hurt the market. Why yes. is that? Well, if when you think of bonds, think of your yield as a cushion. So if you have a a one percent bond, you have basically just a one percent cushion to the rest of the bond market. Where if rates go up to two percent, your one percent cushion is crushed, meaning. Now I can go buy a 2% bond. I don't want your 1% bond. Right. And so last year, if you look at just the basic bond benchmark, the AGG, as most people use as the benchmark, it was down at, can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it was around 13%. So if you held bonds going into 2022, it really was a pretty bad investment unless you knew you were holding them to expiration. So it made for a really hard year in 2022. Thankfully, we didn't have much bond exposure yeah. In, within our portfolios right. in 2022. Right. And um, so why, why is the Fed, so we, we know why interest rates going up tend to negatively impact the market, right? Because the, the market is looking at future anticipated earnings and that's how they put a valuation on, on stocks, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going into a higher interest rate environment, if your corp, if a corporation that you're investing in has any debt, then naturally their future quarterly profits are expected to be lower because mm -hmm. their debt service is higher. That's one of many many examples that I could give of why rising interest rates negatively impact markets. Right, mm -hmm. and when you think of valuation, 
when they're doing the valuation on companies, they subtract the risk-free rate. Yes. That's that 4.9% yeah. yeah. number that yeah. I was talking about earlier. So right. when they're subtracting risk-free rate, last year it was 1%. Now it's 5%. That drastically changes when drastically you're going to changes. forecast something exactly. for 5, 10, 15 years down the road. Drastically changes the future, the discounted cash flow analysis, See, right? Which, uh, which is what you look at trying to determine, you know, future valuations of a company. Yes. Um, so if if we know that rising rates negatively impacts market why why is the why would the fed raise rates knowing that you know why are, why are they raising rates <laughs> that's a loaded There's question so many, so, <laughs> so many different ways to look at it yeah. this simple answer and i know we've we've beat this bush on this podcast over and over is the i word inflation we've we've seen it be last much longer than most people were expecting it to be transitory or short term and it's lasted all the way through 2022 and it's still here in 2023 now if you look at the last quarter of inflation and i know we've talked about this as well the last quarter of inflation the increase that we've seen really is not that scary of a number you yeah. take the quarter and you annualize it and it's about two to four percent i think yeah. on an annual basis that's not a terrifying number to see yeah. and actually yeah. it's an encouraging number from our perspective yeah that's right so that's right. Just trying to slow down inflation. Yeah, the Fed, the Fed is trying to achieve what they always refer to as the soft landing, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning, we we've got this inflation problem. Their primary tool to fight inflation is to raise interest rates, just like their pri- the Fed's primary tool to fight a recession or a depression is to lower interest rates, just like we saw them do back in the market crash of two thousand eight, right? So, um, so we see inflation. The Fed responds to it by rising interest rates, or raising interest rates, sorry. Um, so what do, what do they mean by trying to achieve a soft landing? Uh, a soft landing would be we're able to tame inflation and keep unemployment at a low percentage, meaning that our economy continues to thrive. And even not raise interest rates too high to where we actually drive the economy into mm-hmm. a recession or worse, a depression. Yeah by going too far too fast. Which right? would not be a soft landing. Which would be a crash, not a soft landing. Right? And That's right. coming into 2023, very few people were expecting there to be even a small chance of a soft landing. And it is crazy to watch as the news starts to trickle in, as earnings start to come in. Now people are revising their estimates saying, no, there's now a 30% chance of a soft landing. Yeah. Now there's a 35% chance of a soft landing. It, it, just another emphasis on do not watch and listen to That's everything right. in the news. That's right. Anything and everything will change. Yeah. It's the the economy is a big, complicated engine, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why no one's ever been able to invent the crystal ball that uh, knows perfectly in advance what's going to happen, and no one ever will. Because mm-hmm. you've got, thou- not thousands, millions of investors out there in the marketplace all with competing investment objectives, different objectives. Some people have long-term goals, some short-term goals. So someone who who might think that stock XYZ is a great buy, Mm -hmm. someone else might think it's a great time to sell it. Mm -hmm. And they might both be right, right? So anyway, enough on that. So suffice to say that, um, you know, the important thing when it comes to invest to investing is to have a strategy, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about it all the time on this show. If you're retired, near retirement, uh, the most important thing we want to do for you in that air, uh, um, age range of life is to solve for income first, right? 
because as long as you've got enough income coming in from Social Security and other guaranteed sources, then you should be able to invest with a long-term perspective. And we believe that that's the key to making good investments is not timing the market, but having time in the market, right? Mm -hmm. So let's switch gears and talk about, uh, you know, what we've been seeing with high-yield savings accounts. Uh, according to Kiplinger, high-yield savings accounts are predicted to peak this year at a 5.5% APY. Repeat that, David. <laughs> high-yield savings accounts are predicted to peak this year at 5.5 APY. 5.5? I have a hard time believing that a bank will offer a savings account at 5.5%. That would mean that the the treasury would have to be at six percent, yeah, at least or higher. Minimum. Yeah, I really don't think that we'll see five and a half percent, but we are seeing three and a half percent right now. Three and a half, maybe four percent if you're you're lucky. I was looking, I was just trying to find some, and I saw Ally Bank, which doesn't have local stores, but they have three and a half percent on money market. There's a sign if you go down Highway 49 here in Northwest Arkansas from the Federal Credit Union. Offers offering, I think it was three and a half percent. So yeah. you can now earn some yield on your checking or yeah. on your savings. That in itself is worth a look, if, especially if you're sitting on fifty thousand dollars of cash. Yeah. You talk about three percent, and that's not a negligible number. Yeah, that's right. So be be on the lookout for those type of opportunities, and definitely make sure you're getting some kind of yield on cash that you have parked in the bank. Um, if it's especially if it's cash that you're gonna know you're gonna need in a relatively short time, mm -hmm. you know, say a year or less, or maybe even two years or less, mm -hmm. um, looking for those short-term high-yield savings type rates could be uh, something to, to, to take a look at. I have found just, and maybe this is just more of a recent trend, but here in the last quarter or so, I've had more and more client meetings that are cash poor and need to start ramping up their savings to their cash yeah. or and or moving some from investments into a cash position because I'm looking at people's financial plans seeing one to two months worth of cash talking say they spend five thousand dollars in spending and they only have ten thousand dollars in cash that's not a position yeah that that anyone should be in you should be at least three months worth of expenses that's right I I prefer and I'm I'm more of a conservative planner at at least six months. Yeah, six months is worth. what we typically advise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We think it's critical because that, that prevents you from having to uh, liquidate stock-based accounts mm -hmm. at an inopportune time mm -hmm. or even a even worse, even a more illiquid investment like a house or a piece of property mm -hmm. and just have to accept whatever the first offer is that come, comes along mm -hmm. because you simply need the cash, right? Yep. The value of cash is not strictly based on the value of cash. That's exactly right. So many invest. I'm glad you said that, Eli. So many investors make that mistake of looking and saying, you know, what, you know a year ago, cash was paying essentially 0%. Mm -hmm. Now, as we just discussed, it's paying three, maybe three, even three and a half if you do your shopping. Uh, so many investors would look at that and say, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to leave too much sitting there in cash at 0% or today, three and a half percent. And that's true. You don't want to have quote too, unquote, much. too much, right? Mm -hmm. Which we would define too much as significantly more than six months, unless there are other factors like you've got a, a vehicle that a plan, you mm -hmm. know, a plan mm -hmm. major purchase that's over and above that six months, six months that you need. So it is, yes, you don't want to have too much sitting in cash, but 
to your to where you were going with that is you can't just look at whatever the return is on cash and think, well, that's bad. That's a bad return compared mm-hmm. to what I might get somewhere else. So I'm not going to do that yeah. because that money sitting in that emergency account could prevent you from getting in a bad situation on your other it investments, could right? you, It could stop you from credit card debt, taking yes. out a HELOC, yeah. taking out debt that's going to charge you 7%. Well, now today, 7% to – I heard credit card debt is now averaging 22%. Golly. Yeah. It's so – if that if that cash sitting there making nothing saves you from twenty two percent in a year to two years, that's earning you way more than zero percent. That's exactly right. That's a great way to put it. Okay, so let's talk about um, kind of as the last um, the last topic for today's podcast. Just the how's the consumer doing? Um, what we're seeing here, obviously, the the big question or the big topic in the news as it relates to financial news here lately has been inflation, which we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so how, what kind of impact are we seeing inflation have on the consumer? Um, some of the big retailers have come out with some not so stellar reports here lately. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that, Eli? Yeah, both Walmart, some people around here are familiar with Walmart and Home Depot, say they're planning for a consumer slowdown. And and they're saying that's that's all due in part to stubborn inflation and climbing interest rates. They believe that those factors will keep consumers from spending as much. And I would even I would add on top of that, if you look up credit card debt and where our nation is moving in terms of credit card debt recently, credit card debt has been climbing, which yeah. signals to me if I'm looking at that objectively that savings are going down and spending is becoming beyond people's means, especially mm-hmm. in that mid to lower incomes part yeah. of the economy. Yeah. But if you think about it, though, so counterintuitively, that could be a good sign, right? Because if consumer spending starts to slow down, guess what that's doing to inflation? Mm-hmm. It's starting to uh, cause inflation to hit its peak. Mm-hmm. And we really do need inflation to kind of peak and start to go the other way so that the Fed can give some relief on the interest rate front, which will help, you know, help the economy start to grow again and help markets. Yeah, many ways to look at that. <laughs> there are many ways to look at it, yeah, yeah. But truly, I mean, you, it, when the Fed talks about stopping inflation or mm-hmm. slowing it down, ultimately they really are talking about mm-hmm. slowing down consumer spending because mm-hmm. that's what it really does. Ta- I mean, because if you think about it, if you're selling a jar of peanut butter or whatever— uh, doesn't matter what you're selling. If people are going to buy it as fast as you can produce it, well, you you just kind of keep charging more and more and more for it. It's basic laws of supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. Where the price uh, point meets the demand point, mm-hmm. right? So if if you just keep raising it and consumer this the consumer keeps buying it, in other words, consumer spending keeps going up, you just continue to get price inflation. At some point, you do have to. You know, consumers do have to reach a pain point in order for that inflation to be kind of tamed and start to move the other direction. Mm -hmm. We don't, none of us want to see that happen, Mm -mm. but unfortunately, that is what has to happen for for the Fed to be convinced that they've got inflation under control. So, all that to say, if you're listening to this podcast, you're smart with your money, just watch your budget. Make sure you're not going into credit card debt and you're not doing the things that destroy a financial plan. Yes. So, if That's you're listening exactly to this, right. I'm sure you're in that bucket. So <laughs> tell your friends and your family yeah. about that. 
Okay, so with that, we'll uh, we'll put a wrap. We'll put a bow on today's uh, podcast. Thank you all for listening today. As we always uh, close each week, we want to close with the thought of the day. Yesterday was President's Day. So in honor of President's Day, we've got a quote from former President Teddy Roosevelt. He says, believe you can, and you're halfway there. Believe you can, and you're halfway there. I think there's a lot of truth and a lot of wisdom to that. Mm-hmm. Six-pack, here I come. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you to all of you out there listening to today's podcast. We look forward to you joining us again next week on next week's Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC, Mach 1, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak to your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit Mach1Financial.com disclosures.